in it early and everyone knows what cyber security everyone's operating on intense schedules so i know sometimes people are, are busy for those listening jacob is on the virtual stage now how are you doing jacob doing well how are you good yeah good thank you my friend very good for everyone listening, when someone's a speaker, I get a little chance to have a little chit-chat with Jacob before everyone comes in, and I was just telling him how nervous I get on the lives compared to the pre-recorded podcast. When it's live, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking. As well, I can see you asking a question. What we'll do at the end is we'll just save a little bit of time for some questions and stuff like that. So it's okay with you, my friend. We're going we're gonna to crack on with the show we're going to add loads of banter and then we'll do some some questions towards the end and um, yeah so for everyone listening my guest today is jacob hill i'm just going to give jacob a bit of an introduction just to give everyone listening a bit of an insight into jacob's background and how how he's really going to be able to add value and, uh, and why it's really worth listening to what jacob's got to say today so back in 2008 jacob started as an it support for EG and G technical services. He then moved on to um, GDIT, Marine Corps Systems Command, where he was also IT support. He then was a project manager, SharePoint admin, and team lead for Marine Corps Systems Command. Later, Jacob progressed within the same organization to cybersecurity analyst, information system security manager and SharePoint Administrator. He was there for around five years, then moved on to Integrity Intelligence Inc., where Jacob was a SharePoint consultant. Then, after that, Jacob moved to Synventions, based in Virginia. He was a cybersecurity engineer and SharePoint developer. Currently, Jacob is the founder of TechFused LC, which... He's a web designer, web host, and Udemy instructor teaching 9,000 students in 127 different countries. Also, Jacob is currently the founder of the GRC Academy. And in addition to that, this is all simultaneously, by the way, the the last three. Jacob uh, is currently the director of cyber operations at Alamo City Engineering Services Inc. And prior to that, he was the cybersecurity manager at the same organization. Wow, Jacob, first of all, where do you find the time, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely keeps me busy, that's for sure. <laughs> I've done you quite a, a detailed introduction there, but, but look, where I always like to start is if you can just give us a you can probably do it a little better than than me, but if you can tell us a bit more about who you are and, and what you've been up to career-wise, that would be that would be a really nice place to start, my friend. Yeah, certainly. So I, uh, as uh, Thomas mentioned, I started out in IT support, uh, doing uh, help desk work. Uh, my first position was. Uh, doing help desk, but also I got to do some server support a little bit. It got into the server realm a little bit into Active Directory and things like that. And then I was at a very small site, 25 users or so, something like that. And it was a really good experience, a really great learning experience. Made some connections. And I think that one of the things that I learned there was service with a smile makes a difference. And you never know who might be able to help you out later in your career. I was able to get a letter of recommendation from a gentleman who was very senior in the organization. And from there, when I was interviewing for another position down the road, I think one of the main reasons I got the position was I showed that letter of recommendation to the gentleman I was interviewing with. And he was like, oh, you know that guy? So (laughs) that really helps. And connections really make a difference. And I would encourage everyone to get letters of recommendation. Try to get one. These days, back then, it was was a PDF. It was a letter. It was an actual typed out letter. These days, we have LinkedIn. And I think that either way, get what you can from the folks uh, that really appreciate you and uh, can say good words about you because I think it really makes a difference. Uh, But beyond that, I got my start in cybersecurity compliance. When I was working at Marine Corps Systems Command, I was a government employee for about five years. 
And I was able to jump into the compliance arena. Back then, the DOD was, the Department of Defense in the United States here, was under the DIACAP program. That's how we get ATOs for our systems and authorize them. And, and that's how I got my start in the NIST cybersecurity world. Of course, uh, back then, everyone, the DOD was talking about going to a risk management framework and in the NIST world. And so that's how I got my start in cybersecurity. And then today I am the director of cyber operations at a small business in Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas, they say. It's a great company to work for, really appreciate the company and also the founder of GRC Academy. And we're a training and research website, essentially. I have CMMC and this cybersecurity framework trending on there currently, looking to expand the catalog. And of course, I host the GRC Academy podcast as well. And a little bit about me. Yeah, no, no, thank you, Jacob. And that's great. One of the reasons I wanted, I wanted to get you on was, obviously, you're very much, you've got your ear to the ground. You're very much in tune when it comes to teaching people. You've had a lot of career progression and uh, self-development yourself is something I'm really passionate about. I think since the advent of remote working, we've got to be doing live events like this because we're no longer in the office, chatting away on lunch breaks or water cooler chat, as we, as, as we like to call it. There's a, so there's a few, plenty of things to unpack. There's, uh, there's something we're going to go into in a minute where, by the way, for everyone listening, Jacob got a cyber information assurance master's degree in 15 days. So we're going to really unpack that in a minute because I think aptitude and ability to pick new things up quick, especially in security, if you, if you can master that skill or get pretty good at that skill, you're going to go a long way. But Jacob, just a question I wanted to ask you. You mentioned about that letter of recommendation. Maybe this day it's a LinkedIn testimonial. Maybe or this day and age it's, it's, it's an email. If I'm sat here now thinking that all sounds great, but but how do I get it? How do I get that recommendation? Where do I start? Or how would you advise me if that was my thought process I was having? Yeah, certainly. So I would think about folks that you've been able to do awesome work for in your company or maybe a customer. And just think about the folks that really appreciated the work you've done. And maybe they even wrote a letter to your boss saying, in this case, Jacob did an awesome job, fantastic. I think people are more than willing and more than happy when you've made them happy in the past. And even if it's a year later or something like that, connections, they, they mean a great deal. And I really, what I love about LinkedIn is it allows us to maintain these connections over time because you know how it is if you leave a job, if you left a job before LinkedIn, but you might get the person's phone number or maybe their email or something like that. But LinkedIn really makes it easy to stay in contact with the folks as we move around from position to position. So I, I definitely think just starting the conversation, it may be a little nerve wracking depending on who you're talking to, but I think that folks are most folks are really happy to help and that's what it is and maybe someday you can return the favor that's just how it tends to work and and depending on the area you're working in it's a small world i i think to start in the conversation think about who you might want to reach out to who you've made happy in the past who you've done great work for who recognizes you in the past and just see what happens yeah no definitely and you're right by the way the, com the community is just it is just so small, even globally, certainly within Europe or just within America, everyone knows someone. So I think it, it definitely comes definitely comes back around. And I like the point you make about LinkedIn as well. It's funny, Jacob, because I'll speak to some people and I'm like, hang on, I've not spoke to this guy or girl for a year. And they're being like really familiar with me. And then it's clocked, but they've probably seen me post every day for the last year. You know, it, it does enable you to maintain... Yes. relationships and your network on a much larger scale than you know there's only so many hours in a, in, in a day and then when you start to think about trying to get a bit of balance and burnout and stuff like that which balance probably isn't my strong point but yeah <laughs> it, it makes it it makes a huge difference just another thing i wanted to ask you about five minutes ago you said the company you started at was 25 uh, there's around 25 of you do you think for people listening that are really trying to double down on moving forward career progression, do you think they'd be better off starting a, a smaller company or is there any kind of thoughts you've got in relation to that? That's a very good question. I think in the tech industry, and I'm speaking about the United States, I'm sure it works 
elsewhere in other countries as well. But from what I've seen, the every two or three years, you typically, you have to move to a different position to get that 25K, 30K pay bump. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But what's interesting and uh, about my current company is that this is one of the few companies that I've, I've worked for in the past where I have been able to get a promotion with a significant pay increase, uh, which is amazing. Not all companies will do that. And whether or not you should start out with a small or a larger company, I think on the small company side, I think that you can get exposed to a lot more different areas than a larger company because smaller companies typically they're they maybe they're less process oriented. You know what I'm saying? They many the same people wear many hats in a lot of cases. Mm. And so you can get exposed to a lot of different areas opposed to working for a a very large company where you're doing one thing and one thing only. So I I think there's value on both sides, depending on what you want to do. And small companies have their frustrations. (laughs) Large companies do too. (laughs) So it just depends on how what your goals are. And and I will say this, small companies, you have to be very, very driven. You know what I'm saying? To, I think, to succeed in in many small companies, because there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of room, a lot of overhead for folks who are not A players or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So just motivation, come with your motivation on every day and just kill it. But I, I think, like I said, I think small companies, they offer great opportunities and other opportunities that you may not get in larger businesses. Yeah, definitely. Again, makes complete sense. If you're in a, if you're in a four, if the headcount of your business is four, like I say, you are 25% of the business. So don't think for one second that you can have a few days here and there chilling out. It's just not going to happen. So you need to really think about who you are. Let's say if you're really passionate, driven, and you don't mind that kind of intensity, you're going to be highly accountable in a small in a smaller firm, and, and yeah, I, I, I can see what you mean. If you're in a smaller company and you've got access to to senior leaders, I, I can see that's going to really bolster the career progression. But Jacob, 15 days to get this master's degree. What I'm really interested in is that how the hell did that happen? Firstly, but also secondly, uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, if you've got if you're able to learn new things quickly, it, it, it's part and parcel of security like threats in the wild or what's going on and attack vectors everything's changing all the time and then you start thinking about machine learning and ai and that's the kind of whole we could do a whole another show on that so i think with everything taken into account i think the the ability to pick new things up quick and i know from my day job as a recruiter this is something that employers love to see so can you tell us how the degree in 15 days happened I got my master's degree, as you said, in about 15 days from Western Governors University. And what I really appreciate about Western Governors University is they, if you know the material, they allow you to accelerate. So essentially, it's a self, it's mostly a self-driven program, and it is not time-bound based on a lecture schedule. It's all based on how hard you want to work and and also the knowledge you will come in with. So from my experience, I had two certifications that knocked out two of t- 10 classes, so I had to complete eight classes. I had been, I hadn't gone to college for 10, 11 years. One of the challenges I had was I said, okay, I think this is achievable within 30 days. But when I started, I had to re-motivate myself because I was like, oh man, I don't feel like doing schoolwork. But I just sat down and I just worked on the projects that the classes had. Now for me, and I don't think this is the normal experience, but for me, I have been in this sector for over 15 years now, and I've gotten through a lot of trainings, have a number of certifications, and I've seen most of what the the degree program covered. So I was pretty familiar with much of it. I had, there were some gaps that I had to address, and there was there was, I think, three proctored exams, and I was so thankful. Everything just went well. I had to get CompTIA, uh, CISA, CYSA plus, and I got that, I think, at the end of the first week. So thankfully, all of that just went very well. And, and based on my knowledge and experience coming in, 
I was able to complete everything within 15 days. Like I said, I don't think that's the normal experience. But another thing I love about WGU is they, you pay by six month terms and essentially you can complete as many courses as you can within that six month term. So for me, my master's degree costs a little, maybe a little over $5,000. That's it's an immense value. WGU is regionally accredited. They're recognized by the RNSA as a security center of excellence and all that good stuff. So it's from my standpoint, why would I spend $60,000 on a master's degree where I feel I know that I can always learn. I know I recognize that, but I feel like <laughs> I'm coming in with a lot of knowledge. I, I didn't want to spend two to three years and then $60,000 over time. So this made a lot of sense for me. I would encourage everybody to take a look at Western Governors University. Fantastic value, great experience. And if you're going through your bachelor's degree, you'll come out with a boatload of certifications too. So mm-hmm. security certifications. So I, th- I just think it's great. Cool. Thank you. Listen, if you're paying six months terms, I think the rate you were going at, you'd, you'd put on our business, Jacob. You'd get that much done. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I wanted to pick up on as well, and by the way, I, th- I think you're very modest, my friend. I think with anything, I think you used the word look there. I'm a firm believer you, you make your own look. And you referenced at the start, though, that you didn't necessarily feel like it. Obviously, you're a busy chap anyway. And I think that's something to really tap into. And I see it across different professionals I'm dealing with within cybersecurity. And you could be doing the most the most glamorous role ever within cybersecurity, whether that's cloud security engineer, whether that's a really low-level red team hacker, whether it's managing a cybersecurity team. I think there's always going to be times where you don't feel like it and there's always going to be aspects of a certain job where you don't feel like it. And I think there's... I'm not saying that... um, people listening right now are necessarily like that but I do know for a fact there's a lot of people out there that when they don't feel like it is perhaps they don't do it and clearly you do have you got any motivational tips for pulling yourself through or is it just the way you are or yeah I think just take one step at a time it was a bit overwhelming looking at the whole program and looking at all that I would have to do one step at a time one day at a time just keep knocking it out keep doing the right things and eventually success comes it's just keep making those good decisions every day and success will come it's just a matter of time cool cool very good so moving on to the grc academy i know you're the you're the founder i'm falling more and more in love with grc i think i'm seeing more and more benefits when it comes to career progression and self-development can you tell me and the listeners what the grc academy is all about and how it can help them yeah, certainly. GRC Academy is uh, it's a training uh, platform, and it has a, a few different uh, resources out there for folks. Uh, one is Security Control Explorers, which are they're from NIST, right? So most of them. So uh, I have NIST 853, which is RMF 800-171-172, and then the CMMC, which we'll be talking about in a moment. But uh, what I like about it is it puts all of the information related to those security controls on a in a web format and you can get away from that ugly spreadsheet and be able to consume them in a much easier manner so that that's one thing that's out there and then another thing is the grc academy podcast i i'm having i may be having a higher education panel here pretty soon with some folks from some really really big universities coming on the podcast to talk about uh, their experience with uh, NIST 800-171 and CMMC. So that, that that could be really fascinating. I have Right now I have a podcast editing backlog. And, and if, if folks, if you ever start a podcast, oh, editing is going to be my death. <laughs> you need to um, get some support. So I, I have a backlog support. right now, but I have some great episodes coming out. Uh, one, uh, one of interest is with Zscaler, and they are a – technology company that really focus in on a, a number of zero trust aspects have a lot of success in commercial as well as government we talked about zero trust and trying to get to <laughs> zero trust is a buzzword right at this mm. point what does it actually mean so I, I think that'll be a fascinating conversation and just some other episodes that are coming out i, I actually had the opportunity and the honor to speak with uh, dr ron ross from nist and he has been so influential over cybersecurity the last 10, 20 years. He wrote the risk management framework. He's the lead author of that and a number of special publications from NIST. So I was really honored to be able to speak with him. But yeah, it's, I, and I 
try to keep it varied. I spoke with another uh, privacy attorney about the privacy laws that are coming out in the U.S., whether or not the privacy law at the federal level is the United States GDPR, stuff like that. I, I like to vary it up and talk about all kinds of different aspects of cyber. And then, then of course, I have cybersecurity training on GRC Academy, uh, CMC, as well as NIST Cybersecurity Framework, and we'll be looking to expand the catalog soon. Cool. Thank you, mate. You just created about five more questions that are in my head that I need to ask you about what you just said. Right? So the podcast, where can I find it? What's the easiest way to get access? Yeah, if you go on your favorite podcasting app, just search for GRC Space Academy, and it'll pop right up there. Otherwise, you can go to grcacademy.io and click on the podcast link, and you'll see all the episodes there. Okay, cool. And the so it, so the GRC um, Academy is essentially a really nice platform. It really enables you to accelerate and improve your learnings because it's much more kind of user-friendly. I know you mentioned moving away from the spreadsheet. So it's a really nice, I know a lot of people learn in, in a visual way. So mm-hmm. is it really tapping into into that aspect of things as well? Yeah, the Control Explorer is really, uh, the, the goal is to put all the information on one page because from a NIST standpoint, you'll have security controls, then you have assessment procedures and assessment objectives. And if some people miss those assessment objectives, uh, which is are meant for an auditor, even for an implementer, they're so critical. So putting it all on one page in a nice, a nice friendly way mm-hmm. is what I've tried to do there. It makes a difference. And earlier you mentioned about feeling overwhelmed, and it's an experience I've got a lot on myself at the minute, and I'm constantly feeling overwhelmed. And I think sometimes it's so easy to be just stopped in your tracks when you feel like that. But I think it's you've got to just do something almost just to just to almost get that momentum back. And it's yeah. Let's say there's a lot of stuff we're talking about now, and some people might be listening thinking, God, this is a lot to take in. But I think the key is to keep moving forward. And just one point, I, I just want to pick up on Jacob because you've had a lot of career progression and. Um, your communication is really good and for everyone listening it's really clear to see and I think for anyone feeling overwhelmed if you can focus on those communication skills it ties really nicely in with what you said earlier about recommendations and someone knowing someone you knew I'm not saying the technical skills don't matter they do of course they do your insecurity they're essential but if you can get that communication get that communication thing skill sharp it it goes a long way have you got any I know you've given us a few already, Jacob. Have you got any other tips for getting the getting communication skills really good? Yeah, in line with that, one of the best bosses I ever had gave me this advice, and he said, and it sounds so simple, but he told me, tailor your presentation to your audience. Think about who your audience is. And that everybody, we all know that. But if you actually think about it and apply it, it makes a huge difference in just thinking about all the things that happen in an organization and the breakdowns that happen and why something didn't get done. Oftentimes it just comes because of communication problems, mm-hmm. but you have that engineer who is talking ones and zeros to the CEO and <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> and so you, we have to think about who our audience is. What do they care about? What do they want to know? Because we in cybersecurity, we have a lot of in the weeds things we're thinking about. But if you're talking to the C-suite or maybe the directors or something like that, they have a different set of things they're worried about. So you have to think about how can I communicate to my audience in a way that's most effective for them because just talking amongst your cyber team that's a whole different conversation opposed to talking to an executive level audience and trying to get a budget for example just consider your audience think about what they care about and then tailor your presentation from there no thanks man it's true it sounds simple but it's hard even like listening like for me to keep asking you questions off the back of what you're saying i can feel like i'm having to really concentrate and listening to skill and think about thinking about others instead of yourself first that is a yeah. it's a skill like naturally we, a lot of us probably think about ourselves first sometimes you've got to think about the other person the audience and and, and not put yourself first and and it comes some, some people easier than others but yeah it's it's definitely worth mentioning it sounds simple but sometimes i think it is it can be pretty tricky jacob cmc so 
I promise some of I've told some of my government contract company clients about this. I've mentioned it to a few. They didn't know anywhere near as much about it as they should have done. And they're really interested to hear what um, you've got to say. So CMMC, what is it? How's it going to affect the security space? Yeah, excellent. All right. There is a set of security controls called NIST 8171. And the DOD has been, our Department of Defense has been hacked many times, right? And there we're losing controlled and classified information on contractor um, networks that are unclassified. So the problem that we're trying to solve is we're trying to harden the networks of defense contractors because the government, they've done a pretty good job of hardening their networks and things like that, putting in all kinds of security tools and everything. But the adversary has determined that maybe it's easier to compromise defense contractors that don't have much security in place or don't have the tools, don't have the budget for all the security. There's a standard called NIST 800-171. It's a set of 110 security controls. And the DOD's CMMC program, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program, is a way to have a third party assess a defense contractor's implementation of NIST 800-171. What DOD has learned is that they can't trust defense contractors to simply say, Yes, we are good to go. Everything's great. We've implemented the security controls and everything's good. Don't worry. They've learned that they can't trust that. They have done audits on defense contractors and found even if the contractor says we have a perfect score, compliance score, that uh, in many cases, it's just not correct. And it's either because the contractor didn't understand or there was a, a Penn State False Claims Act, I think that's, that has recently come out that a lot of you have probably seen, that was on this very topic of NIST 800-171 and falsifying, falsifying their compliance scores. Really sad story, but mm. the CMMC is a way to give the DOD more assurance that defense contractors are implementing the security controls, and the focus is bringing in independent third-party assessors to come in and do audits, very similar to the ISO 27001 world. In the NIST world, at least from a defense contractor standpoint or a private entity standpoint, third-party assessments are new. So CMMC just focuses on DOD contractors right now. It could expand federal-wide, but uh, we'll see what happens. And from what I'm understanding, the CMMC requirements will be uh, showing up in contracts sometime next year, uh, probably late next year, but uh, depending on the results of the regulatory rulemaking process, which is a totally different conversation, <laughs> um, it probably will be later next year. Mm. Cool. Thank you, Jacob. So just to summarize, we know that the DOD have got the security posture to a certain standard where black hats are thinking this is getting really tricky. So the new way to attack them is through supply chain attack. They're hitting the government contractors yes. uh, and they're getting in that way. U.S. government are going, no. Had enough, not for us. You you guys, you, you government contractors doing any form of business with us, you better up your security posture or we don't want to work for you. If, and we know it's coming in next year, if I'm a government, if I own a government contractor and I'm thinking, oh, this, this sounds pretty serious, what 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 would you say to me? What 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 advice would you would you give me to get myself where I need to be? I would start looking at the security requirements of NIST 800-171. As I said before, I do have a security control explorer uh, for NIST 800-171 on grcacademy.io. Take a look at that. And I, I just, I actually spoke at my first security conference uh, last week, which was uh, interesting. It was a milestone for me. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but I spoke about uh, our experience implementing NIST 800-171 in a small business. And small business... Uh, lots of challenges there, whether it's budgetary resources, the right people or whatever. If you have cybersecurity staff, get them to look at NIST 800-171. Take a look at those security controls and evaluate where you are, where you stand with that. Right now, NIST 800-171 is the federal standard. There is a contractual rule uh, that will be a contractual clause that will appear in all federal contracts 
and, and maybe I don't know the timeline on it, but that's coming to implement NIST 800171. I think agencies are requiring it uh, via policy right now, but there's actually a contractual rule. Uh, but for DOD, we already have that contractual rule in place, and then CMC is going to be where we're checked by a third party. So. I would definitely advise, get your eyes on this state under 171. If you support the federal government, you definitely want to get up to speed on this. If you support DOD, your timeline is rapidly approaching your deadlines. Get ahead of it if you can. Mm, cool, thanks, Jacob. So you you mentioned a company that you helped out and implemented in this 800-171. Was that, so that was for, obviously you don't have to name that company, but that was for a company supplier, that was for a government contractor agency yeah yeah yeah, my current company alamo city engineering services oh cool okay how long did it take there were some stops and starts so i'll probably say it would take if i started today with the same knowledge set of what i had back then probably a year and a half Okay, year and a half, and your headcount is, does okay. the headcount affect it? The headcount of the company, does that affect the timelines of how long it would take to, to get things over the line? I, I think for most companies, it's 12 to 18 months. Okay, uh, cool. Probably, depending on the size and complexity, it, it could be a little more, but um, that's probably around the average. Okay, cool. And if I'm, say, like a SharePoint developer working a CI Security Cloud SharePoint Dev or a Red Team, is there anything else I should be aware of or any additional advice you could give me or anything I should be doing? In relation to the cybersecurity controls, just make sure you're aware of your company's policies um, and processes because SharePoint developers, we can bring in different pieces of code to in different code libraries to our environments. And so your process, your company may have a process around secure coding and just making sure that where did you get this code? Are you bringing in a backdoor to the company, maybe some cross-site scripting stuff? So I think from that standpoint, just make sure you're following your company's processes and policies related to secure coding and then whatever else they have around secure processes. Because I, I know I've worked with Power Automate and things like that, and there are definitely considerations when you when it comes down to building those flows and maybe you might expose some information that you didn't think about. I would just say follow your company's processes and policies. And if there aren't any, maybe you think about some from a security standpoint because we're all in this together. And what I said at the conference is that we as the security team, we can't make this happen on our own. We need the whole business to jump on board with us. So it's definitely a collaborative process. Mm, cool. So if anyone's listening, and obviously we're going to release this on um, uh, Spotify, Apple Pods, Podcast Addicts, if, if anyone's got any, any questions for you with are you cool for people to, to reach out and stuff like that if anyone's yeah. running a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, mm, cool. And is there any other questions I should ask you on this, do you think, Jacob, that could help help people listening? You're the massively the expert on when it comes to the whole CMMC situation and, and the changes in the legalities, et cetera, et cetera. Is, is there anything else that you think I should, that we should mention that could help people uh, listening now and in the future? Yes. NIST 800-171 and CMMC are all about controlled and classified information. It's an information-centric standard, whereas, so CUI, controlled and classified information, is, is now a regulated piece of information. So similar to privacy information, which is regulated by privacy laws, or health regulation, which might be regulated by HIPAA or something like that, CUI is regulated by the government and NIST 800-171 is the standard to protect that on non-federal systems. And a lot of the conversation around this from a, and this is not a, this is not a controlled and classified information problem per se. This is an information problem. And when you come to start the process, just figuring out where that information is, who handles it. And like I said, you could have the same conversation with health data, with privacy data. So I, I, I think that if you want to get into NIST cybersecurity, uh, there's a lot of overlap between all these different frameworks. We, we also, in our own company, we uh, did uh, some certification audits internally for ISO 27001, information security, 20,000 TAC1, IT service management, 
and then 9001 quality management and we completed that a few months ago and what i'll tell you is that there was a lot of overlap between nist 800171 and iso 27001 um, iso has some additional considerations for privacy that nist does not and nist is focused on the confidentiality of the data iso is focused on the whole cia triad right but yeah, there's a lot of overlap. And so I would say if you can get into one, you can definitely move into the, move into others. And I think it's a great field to get into. Mm. Cool. Thanks, Jacob. And by the way, for, for anyone listening to this now in the future that's in the government contractor space and somebody is a shock to them, look, I've spoke to multiple government contractors and various different people within the organizations and people don't know as much as you would expect. So if you are listening and you are thinking, Oh, oh dear, or I don't know enough about this, then I can assure you from offline conversations I've had that I know there's a lot of people in the same boat. But Jacob, thanks for that. You've given us you've given us loads of I'm just gonna is, is there anything else at all from the if you're working in the government space, is there anything else you think we're about I'm sure there is loads of other stuff stuff you could talk about now on the pod or do you think we've about covered it? Yeah, I think a big conversation that's going on in federal contracting, especially when you're looking at partners and strategic partners, is uh, their cybersecurity compliance. Um, it's really becoming a focus. Um, NIST 800-171 is a big part of that. I, I said this again, but if you're in the U.S. federal contracting space, get on this. Don't wait for it. <laughs> if, if you're not a DOD contractor, NIST 800-171 uh, is, is likely a requirement via policy, but it will be contractually required very soon. So definitely jump on this. Don't wait, uh, because if you wait, then it could cause problems. And it's definitely a big risk for your company. Uh, overall, just if you're not operating in a secure manner day to day, there are other risks beyond compliance and contractual risks. What if you deal with a ransomware event? Are you prepared for that? What the impacts that could have to your business? I myself, I view compliance as a way to achieve security, true security, because uh, without compliance and the requirements behind it, uh, oftentimes people don't just don't want to do it. So I, I view compliance as a driver to get to uh, real security. Definitely. We know this from PCI DSS pen test getting left till November or December every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. I'll just move on. So on the so GRC, we've mentioned it's a great, it, it, it's a, I know it's an area of cybersecurity where there is actually a skill shortage rather than, I know the media say there's a skill shortage everywhere. It's only at the very senior end of the market in many parts of, of cybersecurity. I know GRC is a valuable skill set. It's, it's also a great way in. What other learning material have you are you aware of online that could help people wanting to really get a, get their head around uh, GRC? Yeah, I do know there's a few great resources out there. Gerald Auger, I believe, I, I'm hoping I'm saying his name correctly. He has a, a great GRC analyst masterclass out there, and uh, that's Gerald, A-U-G-E-R. And if you just Google Gerald Auger GRC course, you'll find it. I think that's a really good course. I don't have a, a GRC overview course yet. I will one day. So take his course for now. But I do think that there, there's some really good podcasts uh, out there. Um, if you're interested in the NIST world and CMMC, Summit 7 is definitely a company to follow. They have a great podcast as well. Jacob Horn, Jason Sprusser, they're uh, really knowledgeable guys. So take a look at that. Of course, my own podcast, if you are interested in that. And I think that just having, but also get it, get into the technical weeds because as GRC professionals, oftentimes people just think about paperwork and policies and process. But if you're analyzing vulnerabilities and building out mitigations and trying to mitigate those vulnerabilities, having a technical background is so valuable because and when i was with the government i would see cybersecurity people just say no and the reason why was because they just didn't know they didn't know if it was okay they didn't know they couldn't evaluate the risk because they didn't have the technical background to do it so if you're able to and and this is a goal over time right I find every single day there's something I don't know and I, it's something I try to learn. And, and so it's a never-ending never journey as technology continues to evolve. 
it will always be learning. But if, if you're not technical, I would encourage you to take it upon yourself to get onto some of those platforms like Try Hack Me, or there's another one. Uh, my brother runs it, serveracademy.com. If you're interested in Windows administration and just trying to, under, you know, if you're trying to understand what the system administrators are trying to tell you as a cyber person, getting your hands into the weeds, I think is very valuable and can make you much more valuable and even help your communication skills because you'll be able to speak at a technical level to the folks that are trying to tell you, no, we can't implement this security control because it'll break the system. If, if you don't have a technical background and you don't, it, it's just so helpful to have that background, I would mm. say. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I, I would add to that as well, just if people can get obsessed with communication skills and obsessed with the technical side, it's just going to go an incredibly long way because those two things combined, I think, are a dangerous combination in a, in a really good way. Also as well, so the two things you mentioned there, Gerald uh, Organ and serveracademy.com. So what we'll do is we'll – what I'll probably do, Jacob, is, is email you after – later on today or something and get the exact urls and links off you and stuff like that and then when this goes on the the various digital channels that it goes on everyone will have the exact uh, link yeah. to that if that's okay with you mate yeah sounds cool. good cool right mate i know i promised you an hour so i'm going to try and speed us up a little bit what's the best way for me to get a mentor whether i'm senior mid uh, junior it's massively important for self-development how do i get one yeah certainly i would say it's a great question and there are a few ways few different ways to do it. Ideally, it would be someone that you personally know. That's my opinion. Because if you're looking at some of these these folks on LinkedIn, the LinkedIn influencers, as I would, you, we would say, those folks don't have a lot of time, but it's difficult to get on their schedule. Some of them do offer it. And I would say you might be able to speak with them once or maybe twice, but I would say if there's a person in respect and, and believe you can learn from and you've worked with them in the past, I think that personal connection there will give back. That that will really pay off. You might you may be able to, as I said, you might be able to get in touch with somebody on, on LinkedIn who you don't know, but time is a problem uh, for a lot of these folks. And then I, I just think having the personal connection there is will probably give you the most returns. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what you say about that, Thomas. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head when you say everyone everyone is extremely busy. And the two words that I always put, it's more than two words, but the two things I always like to say is just be extremely polite and extremely persistent. And if you, as long as you're both of them, you, you, you're okay. And I don't mean, I don't think that when I hit someone up every day, there's obviously there's a certain way to do things and not to do things. But even if I compare it to getting the podcast launched or winning a client in recruitment or having mentors that I've got within my day job, none of it comes easy. It's all about actually planning, taking a bit of a strategic approach. Now, I actually go as far as putting things in spreadsheets and if there's a certain podcast guest that I want on, I'm going to hit him or her up there. I'm going to send him a message there. I'm going to send him a video there. Mm -hmm. And I'll plan it all out. I mean, Jacob, I've forgotten how many times I approached you, but I wouldn't have imagined it was just one message and straight on. I probably had to be, I can't remember, mate. Can you? I probably had to be a little bit persistent to get you on the show, did I? Can you remember? Yeah, you reached out with to me with, on a video call, and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't respond. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, no, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, you, people will listen to me and you chatting now, and they probably thought it was an absolute formality for me to get you to do this LinkedIn Live. But again, I do, I wasn't, I've not even got our message, message history in front of me. I've not got my, my spreadsheets in front of me, so I couldn't remember. But I, I knew that a man in your position doing what you've got on, running multiple businesses, managing cybersecurity teams, I know it is not just a case of going, hi, Jacob, if you want to come on the podcast, it just or it very rarely ever works like that. So I think my message is take a strategic approach, track what you're doing. I'm not saying hit people up every five minutes, but I am saying you've got to be polite and persistent, leave a bit of time. Yeah. It all needs tracking. Streak CRM is great for it as well. That's like a tool that can manage your outreach and remind you when to reach out in certain periods of time without being annoying and keeping it all professional. So, yeah, that would be my input, my friend. Which... Oh, in fact, which, yeah, which book, you can't say mine and yours, you can if you want, but which book or podcast has had the most positive effect on, on your career so far? 
I think that Summit 7's podcast has been really beneficial. And overall, they're on the CMMC space, and they put out excellent information. I've been following them for years, and they launched a podcast last year. But before that, they had a lot of video-based material and just excellent material on their website that was very informative, very value-based. So I really have appreciated Summit 7's content because it really helped me make sure that I was going in the right direction for CMMC as I was building out our program. Cool. Thank you, my friend. And I just want to ask you, you mentioned your, by the way, congratulations on that talk. You mentioned it was a new milestone for you about 10, 15 minutes ago. Where can I find that talk and how will will that help the listeners just for everyone listening now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So if you go to a a website, cloud.com, cs2 that's where you can find the talk i i think it's probably behind a paywall i'm not sure if they'll publish it or not publicly but uh, if you go to uh sorry it's cs2.cloud yeah cs2.cloud for all the people who were just like (laughs) what it didn't work (laughs) cs2 cloud it was in denver uh, last week and uh, yeah it was my first talk at a security conference and uh, the crowd was really good Cool. Okay. Building out security programs. I know there will be people listening now and in the future that want to hear about this. Can you give the listeners some do's and don'ts when you're building out a security uh, program? So let's say there's not a particular framework or standard that you're accountable to based on Mm -hmm. the industry you're in. I would say start with it may be the NIST cybersecurity framework or something like that because these frameworks really provide immense value because they tell us exactly what to do. We don't have to start from scratch. All of this has been done. The ISO world, the standards cost money, so that unless you're going for the ISO certifications, I would I probably wouldn't uh, start there unless you're required to. Even NIST days 101.71, the guidance in there is is pretty solid. Now, they are revising that standard to revision three, and I think that there's some great changes inside of that. Uh, They're also revising this cybersecurity framework to 2.0. But I would say if you're building out a security program, leverage one of these frameworks that exist today and don't reinvent the wheel. It's already been done. Definitely take a look at some of these frameworks and just start from there. Cool. Thank you, my friend. Now, when in terms of career progression, what, what, why do you think you've got to, to where, you, where, where you've got to, Jacob? Not everyone gets that level of progression. If you could try and, if, I know it might be hard, can you try and maybe get it down to two or three main points that the listeners can start to really keep front of mind and take away with them? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, and I... Personally, Thomas, I don't think I'm anything special, but I'll tell you uh, what I think I did. And I think everyone, you know, most people, uh, if you're in cybersecurity, you can do this too. Um, What I'll say is that one, I was driven. You got to have the motivation. You have to, and if you're in the right company, you will be recognized for that motivation. I've been in certain places where, and I learned my supervisor is extremely important because I, in a previous position, I was getting awards, I was getting recognized. It's not all about recognition, but it's it has a huge impact on your career. And then I went into another position with a different supervisor, and all of that stopped. So your boss does make a big difference on your career, I'll say that. But be motivated, be driven. The second piece is... I would say probably, Thomas, that communication piece, because you can be the hardest worker in the world, but if you can't communicate to upper leadership, they will end up turning you off mentally. When you start talking, they'll either say, okay, everything must be great because he's talking ones and zeros. This is great. Or that person will be saying, I I guess I'll have to talk to somebody else (laughs) to get the real answer. So you definitely don't want that happening, really either one. Uh, because you're not going to benefit the organization. And and that's what we want to do. We want to be a benefit to our companies and our organizations. I think, one, motivation. Two, communication. Learning how to communicate to the executives in the company. And all kinds of people are different. They want to hear different things. And, And something else I've learned, too. This is just a, this is free, okay? Sometimes it helps 
for the executive levels to hear somebody else say the same thing. Mm. So if you're trying to make change happen and you're having a difficult time, see if you can get another person, a champion, to help you by saying the same thing you're saying, maybe in a different way, or maybe it's just that they need to hear somebody else say it to validate that they're going to have to spend all this money on cybersecurity. So that was free. That was an aside. But I think overall, motivation, working hard, and just the communication skills. And then one other thing I think is of utmost importance is integrity and knowing that you can be trusted, knowing that you're going to be honest, even when it may not look great for you, but you're going to be honest about it. I think those three things, if you're able to pull all those together and be consistent with that, I think that is the key to uh, success overall, I would say. Mm, brilliant, mate. Brilliant answer. Thank you, Jacob. So just to summarize, number one, be very driven, be very motivated. You mentioned about having a great boss, so surrounding yourself with the with the right people and making sure you've got a good team around you. And then number three, communication. Just one other point I just want to mention, just to, just to really um, just make sure... I'm understanding it right and make sure the listeners are understanding it right. So I think it's really good. So you mentioned about someone else saying the same thing. So would that be a situation whereby, and again, tying into the integrity piece and the trusted piece, say me and you, Jacob, were on a, I don't know, let's say we're on a SOC team together and we knew that X, Y, and Z definitely needed implementing. Would that be a case of you'd ring me up and go, Tom, uh, we're going into this meeting in half an hour's time. Look, we both know that thingy and thingy need sorting and we'd have that conversation prior so we're both championing it and making sure we get the changes we need to enhance that particular security posture is that how that would go down yes exactly exactly another way it might happen is you may be presenting to the c-suite and they might just say i don't know i don't like this this and that you might have some, <laughs> have somebody go back channel down <clears throat> maybe the next week and have a side conversation or something like that mm. with the decision makers. There, there's a number of ways to handle it, but either way, sometimes we <laughs> have to be humble enough to realize that we, we can't do it on our own and we need somebody to help us. Mm. So whether that's a cybersecurity person or, or maybe another person on the executive suite that just gets it, right? We, it, we have to operate as a team and we just have to realize that sometimes we're not enough and we need help to make things happen. Cool. Jacob, this has been really good, mate. It's flowed really nicely. Have you got time to stick around for a few potential questions? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. If anyone's got a question, please raise your virtual hand now. Any questions at all, please raise your hand. Ara, how are you doing? Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Can you hear okay, Jacob? Yes. Hi, Ara. Thank you for both for having this podcast. I just had a question. A lot of your recommendation, I feel like it'll be very helpful once I do start the position, but I'm currently not in any cybersecurity role and I want to join. I know we could get certification to stand out, but other than that, is there anything else we could do to stand out and get that first interview opportunity? Yeah, I understand. What role do you want to start out in? Do you have a specific target? Is is it a, like a SOC or is it GRC? At the moment, I'm thinking of either information security or mm-hmm. forensic, computer forensic. But mm-hmm. in both cases, I heard that information security is actually like easier to get into for entry position because mm-hmm. the other ones I try to get into a lot of required, a lot of experience, and mm-hmm. I don't really have work experience other than college. Yeah, understood. Okay, I understand. Yes, so I know Thomas will definitely have some advice for you, but what I'll, what I'll tell you is there is a lot of free resources uh, from NIST uh, that you can take a look at. And if you if you want to target, uh, for example, United States federal uh, government supporting them, that's all going to be NIST risk management framework, 
RMF. Uh, but there's also, like in the commercial sector, there's also PCI DSS. ISO 27001 is a, is a recognized international security standard. The only thing there is that you got to buy the standards and they're expensive. So I probably wouldn't start there. Um, mm -hmm. As I, I said before, I think that a lot of these standards and frameworks have overlap. Once you learn one of them, I think that what you learn there is transferable to to many of the other standards and frameworks. Now, now for you, and all right, I can only speak to the. I, I've been around the federal government for a while, and so I, I'm less up to speed on the the requirements that commercial, the private folks have. But uh, from what I've seen on the government space, Security Plus, that's a great certification to start out with. And that probably transfers well into the commercial the side as well. So I would recommend getting the Security Plus, getting that knocked out. You already, I think you already have a degree, so that's great. Look at and look into Gerald Auger's course as well. And if you're interested or connect with me, I'll give you a free code for my CMMC course that that might give you some good exposure. So please connect with me after this. But Thomas, do you have any specific advice for her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, thanks, Jacob. Nice to meet you, by the way. Listen, welcome for answering the question. It's not nice to see some confidence when you're trying to break in. I think that'll take you a long way. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a couple of short term things that I think can maybe get you some results quite quickly than a couple of longer-term plays, which are both effective. I'll start off with a little bit of a, a controversial one, but I think if you can find a smaller company, so if you can go on LinkedIn and find companies with 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people where the founder is relatively accessible, if you can approach them on LinkedIn and you can offer however much you can spare it may be two or three hours a week it may be an hour a week it may be a day a week if you can offer some time to help them out with anything in and around their business activities for free working on a virtual basis and i know some people say you shouldn't ever work for free this time that i really disagree i think if you can do that uh, and do something to help that business i think it's going to really help you with what jacob was talking about earlier in the, uh, in the show which was you're going to, you're going to build um, relationships. You're going to be able to get recommendations off the back of it. The cybersecurity space is really small. So that founder will probably know many other founders. So I think that would be a really good one. Like I say, you can, you're obviously pretty, pretty confident. So I could see you reaching out to people on a, uh, on LinkedIn. If you're first connected with them, you can send them a voice note through the mobile app and you can send them a video through the mobile app. You can only do it through the mobile app. You can't do it on your desktop. And they're the two most effective ways to get responses from people when you're reaching out to them on LinkedIn. It really makes you stand out from the noise. I think another one you can look at is resume formatting. Again, or right, feel free to ping your uh, resume to me on on LinkedIn, we can have a look at it, we can format it for you and make sure that it's as presentable uh, as possible. And then I think another one on the short term basis is just don't be afraid to, to be persistent. I think in the kind of entry level area of the market, it is fiercely competitive. It's at the senior end, you've got recruiters like me chasing you down, and it's very candidate led at the, at the entry level, and it's very kind of client led. So I think don't be afraid to be very polite and, and, and very persistent. And then just a couple more on the long-term plays. I noticed Tyler is on the call now. So Tyler's got a fantastic, Tyler Ramsby's got a fantastic personal brand and he does a lot for the community. And I think if you can do stuff on Twitch to help people, if you could, say, document your journey, say, from now to moving forward or what you've been up to in the last six months, if you can document that on LinkedIn, Twitch, YouTube channels... It just gives your resume, it makes your resume 3D. And if employers can see you apply and they can go, right, or as, oh, right, okay, she's done that on YouTube, she's done that on LinkedIn, it will make your application stand out over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of others. Because if they can go on LinkedIn and watch a video of you or they can see that you're just posting on a frequent basis, it just makes them feel like they, they know you before they've, before they've met you. Does that all make sense, Aura? Yeah, okay, that would be great. Yeah. One more thing about free volunteering. I remember you mentioned that in your previous podcast too. But for that, I was thinking, is there any like security issues if I ever do that? Because I do remember when I was trying to first get an internship, a lot of the times in the beginning, I wasn't a US citizen, but now I am. But like, they were saying I can't even get a position higher because of that as a security issue. 
I wasn't yeah. sure if I was able to get that. I think it would depend on the company. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I, I agree. It depends on what sector they would be in and, and who they support. Uh, but mm. yeah, I, I think now that you and congratulations, by the way, on that on that that's huge. Um, Thank I, you. But I do think it depends on the sector. If it's a if it's a private company and they if they're working on government contracts, they they have different security requirements and things like that. But yeah, I think the field should be open for you now. Smaller the, or the smaller the company, the usually the quicker you can develop a relationship with, with people internally. Okay, that would be great. Thank you so much. Cool, no worries. Thanks for your question, Jacob. Thank, thanks, mate. It's been it's been really good, mate. It's flown flown really nicely, and thanks for all the info, mate. And and thanks for your time, mate. I've, been, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, same here, Thomas. Thank you so much. Appreciate the invite. Thank you no. very much. And thanks for everybody listening. Really appreciate your time too. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. See you later, everyone. Cheers, everyone.